0: Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to try to finish these two or three verses today. Verse 4 says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Amen. Amen. So we're still talking about walking in unity within the church. And if you keep in school, this is part four. You can be seated. Hallelujah. If any of you are spiritually sensitive. You see that the Bible is constantly being fulfilled. We've already seen the plague. I'm looking for the locusts. But today, there was an earthquake in North Carolina. 5.3. If I were a theologian I would say that was in diverse places I just want you to know that you're living in a time where the Bible is being fulfilled it's not the time for you to be playing church amen I have decided so if I get off today and I start talking about that other church I'm going to call it children's church So, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen. Amen. All right. So the Bible's gotten us to this point where Paul constantly talks about unity and peace. And we ended up telling you that you should endeavor to keep the unity. And we also told you that that unity was already delivered to us by Christ. Now, There's a need to keep the unity, and it's because the church, of course, is the one place where it usually falls apart. If you want to see a problem in society, look around, because it's going to start, as folks say, right here. So the Bible says that there are seven unities that we need to to keep. And I'm going to try to get through all seven today. We started on this. We did about two or three, but I'm going to go back and talk about them and then try to get through all of them uh, because there's some place I need to get to in this uh, uh, teaching, but it's just, it's been hard. So he says there's one body, one body, that is the body of Christ, which is his church. Christ is the head and we are his church are the body. Now, we told you last week that no brain or no head can function if the body is disjointed. In other words, if a part of your body is separated, then the head cannot speak to the part that is no longer connected. Amen. And the Bible says that uh, if that happens, then The Bible says the desires of the head are then frustrated. That means that the thing that Jesus wants to do in the body of Christ was specifically, I got that word hung up, (laughs) specifically in this house are being frustrated because people won't stay put. And every time you have to to, uh, move someone or something, it slows down the process. It slows down the process. So the Bible says that the oneness of the church is essential for the work of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 13 says for by one spirit we're all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, all have been made to drink into one spirit. So if We are led by the one spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, and I'll get to that in a moment. It makes us one body having a common purpose. And if we have a common purpose, then we can't be fragmented in the way we carry out our assignment. Amen. Amen. And then this is the the controversial part here. Uh, Last week I said it, and everybody kind of got quiet on me, but I'm going to say it again. Now, I didn't write this, but I, I, I did copy it. It says there's no way a believer can be in conflict with another believer unless he's walking after the flesh and is in a backslidden condition. And again, y'all paused and you didn't have a lot of amens because, say, wait a minute, hold on. Are you trying to say that if I ain't doing what I'm supposed to do, I'm backslidden? Well, isn't that the very definition of it? <laughs> okay, y'all felt the same way last week. There are some things that are contrary to love, joy, and peace. And we gave you several last week, and I'm going to give them to you again. First, we said it's a contentious spirit. You can tell that a person is not walking uh, in line with the spirit when they're always Contrary. You know when are y'all listening when when folk talking and you say well I think we should do so and so and so well I think shouldn't that be a sign That's a contentious spirit because nobody asked you that was a statement There's a difference between I think we should do so and so and what do you think we should do that, now, I know that we speak strange English today when everything ends with a question. You know how y'all talk? I thought I was go to the mall. <laughs> and I'm always wondering, and, and what? <laughs> because we always end everything on a high note as though it were a question. Oh, okay, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Don't know if I know, okay. It must be me. Seeking a position. This is why most people leave church. Because they can't have the position they desire. Uh, I know I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And I say this to all those people who say I'm supposed to be. I will simply say what Paul said. When I was a child, but when I became a man, so when you start put, putting away foolish stuff then you can become the, the person or the the, the the thing that you desire to be. Amen. But until you start putting away some foolishness nobody's going to take you serious. <laughs> Let me get political one minute. See this is what happened in 2016, when America said, you know, we need to stop putting politicians in office. We need a businessman because a businessman knows how to get this economy rolling. That's like going to the cardiologist and say, look, I know I need an operation on my heart, but I'm going to call my proctologist because I think we need to change up things. Oh, they don't know what a proctologist is. (laughs) That's why you can't figure out how he's going to get to the heart, right? Okay. That's my politics for the day. We also said forming cliques. That's another indication. Forming cliques. What does that mean, forming cliques? You get in your own team to get things done the way you want them done. And that's fine if you're playing football. But it doesn't work in church. The other thing it says here is self centeredness. It's not about you. I know you think it is. You're so vain. You think this song is about you. (laughs) Don't you? Don't you? (laughs) But it's not. Amen. When we sing songs in church, we don't sing songs about Brother Jones. Huh? Sister Macklemore. We don't sing those kind of songs. We say, great are you, Lord. So it's not about you. And then anger. And I yet have come up with a solution to understanding why saints get angry. And I say to you very often, why are you mad? I don't understand it. How can you be blessed, sanctified, set apart so God can use you for his best? How can you be angry why do people get upset because they don't like the way God is blessing? Well, I didn't want to go to New York. I wanted to go to New Jersey. And the Lord sent me over here. You understand what I'm saying to you? We're angry about nothing. It just seems to be a good thing to say, "Well, I don't like that." And I wish for one day I could say everything I really wanted to say. Because I would tell you how I felt about what you liked and didn't like. (laughs) And then the last one is seeking your own way. Well, if they don't let me, then I'm gonna. If they don't let me, then I'm gonna. Now, I know you all don't quite understand, but I'm going to try to put this in in some uh, context. These are words that people who blaspheme the name of the Lord use. Those are covenant words. God says, I will, if you. And then he changes it and said, I will because I love you. You say, if you don't, I will. And who gave you that authority? So the very nature of those words are blasphemous. Okay, y'all. Ain't nobody following me there? Okay. So there's only one body, the Bible says, one body, one body of true believers, not two. Not one body over there and another one over here. Christ did not come to save just the black man or the red man or the white man. Nor did he leave the world to set up a mansion in separate places in the sky. Amen. Amen. Y'all, well never mind, I'm going to move on. The Bible says this, uh, that he ultimately pulls people from every part of the world to unite them in one great brotherhood. The Lord, listen to me, the Lord is using your experiences on earth to prepare you for living in heaven. One more time, he's preparing. This is a a practice run. He's trying to get you ready for heaven. You cannot be heaven ready just because you died. Listen to me. In order to be heaven ready, you got to live. And too many people are uh, say, "Okay, well, when I get to heaven, well, you need to do some some work now." Yes, if they told you today that you were moving, they were giving you an assignment and you had to move to Antarctica. What would be your first thought? I need to buy some clothes. That would I hope that I need to buy some warm clothes. And if that's your first thought, then you're saying, I'm moving to another place and I need to prepare for the place that I'm moving to. There may be some people walking around in shorts, but I don't think so. And here we are on earth, we're trying to live like when we get to heaven, we're going to be okay. And the whole purpose of the kingdom being established on earth is so that you'll learn how to live on earth as it is in heaven. We won't be building any walls in heaven. Hallelujah. So the Bible says that he's collecting all of these people so he can put them in one place that's called heaven. And he puts them there for one reason and one reason only so that they can prove that the church is one, that they can all get along together. One people serving one God. Amen? So he says there's one body. Then the second thing he says is there's one spirit. That one spirit is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power that animates the body. The Holy Spirit, uh, uh, spirit itself, the word pneuma means breath, first of all, and it also means uh, spirit. So whenever we see the word uh, pneuma, we're talking about both breath and spirit. This is what it takes for the human body to be animated, to be alive, Amen. amen? So the body says that, uh, uh, the Bible says, excuse me, that the body is dead without the spirit and there can be no church without the spirit. So the body of Christ without the spirit of Christ is no longer a living body. Amen. So the Bible says that each member is to do his part into carrying out the mission of the body. Now, anybody who acts independent, and this is, a, this is, again, another way of rebelling. Anyone who acts independent of the body is of another spirit, is of another spirit. In other words, if Christ is the thing that animates the, his body, and you are operating in another spirit, then that spirit cannot be a part of the body of Christ, because there is one Body and one spirit. Amen. Amen? Amen? So the Bible says that the next thing is there is one hope. One hope. Amen. That is of everlasting glory. See the hope that we have today is that we are going to heaven. Amen. That's our hope. That we're going to see Jesus. That's our hope. And the way that you got that hope is because you were called by the preaching of the gospel. Amen, amen. See, faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God. Amen. And then the Bible says this. It says, how can they hear except they have a preacher? Amen. amen. So the Bible says that we become the body of Christ by the energy of the Holy Spirit. And that, that, that calling, of course, is the hope. That we have a flowing in our call, in the sphere in which God called us. Now, that means that you were not called to be a fish so you don't flow in water. But you were called to be a human being, and he called you to this place, which is planet Earth, and then gave you an assignment for the body of Christ universally, and then he narrowed it down through your worship and association to bring you to a place in a local body where you could fulfill your call Amen. it's just that simple so we have that one hope the bible says the one spirit is the deposit guaranteeing us that we have an inheritance so we look at ephesians chapter 1 verse 14 says that the Holy Spirit is our guarantee of our, Holy Spirit, uh, of the, our inheritance until redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Amen? And that inheritance includes the hope that we were called to. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. The eyes of our understanding be enlightened that you might know what is the hope of your calling. So the Bible says that you may not know initially at salvation what you were called to do, But that's why you remain because the Bible says if you remain connected to the vine, you will bear much fruit. So if you don't stay connected, then you will not be in any one place long enough to get rooted and grounded and understand the Bible says to grow up into all things to the head. So as much as the head is giving instructions to the body, the the body in its responses learn, here from the head. And when the body learns, that's why we told you, well, this was another lesson, but the Bible says that uh, 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 my people, my sheep know my voice. He says they won't follow another. So I hear from the head, I don't hear from the arms. So he goes on to say this, we are one organism consisting of the regenerated and living members of the head. In other words, uh, we are all animated by the same eternal spirit. We have life because we serve the same God. Amen? And the Bible says that we are, uh, 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 excuse me, that we are brought into contact with the Lord and then He maintains each and all. In Him. So when, when I come in contact with Christ, when I got saved, I didn't just come in contact with Christ as Lord and Savior. I came into Christ, uh, came to know you in contact with the person who was also saved. Amen. So it's Christ in you and Christ in me. There's a, 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 a kinship, there's a relationship. We are one of the same body. So the Bible says that it is in one hope of our calling that we find whatever our natural diversities as individuals are. In other words, because I held on, hope is always future, I held on long enough to what God said to me to find a people who I could unite with who could then bring out the best in me. And too often what we do is we never find those people who can bring it out because we go to children's church. I don't want to do any, listen, go to a church, nobody's going to offend me. I don't want to go to a church where people are going to talk hard to me. I don't want to go to a church where I might have to learn something. And I certainly ain't going to a church that's going to make me change. Are y'all listening to me? That's why people look for certain things in a church. But if I were looking for a school, I would not look for a school that passes everybody. If I were going to a doctor, I certainly wouldn't go to a doctor who was smoking and told me it was okay for me to smoke. But when we look for a church, we look for a church that allows us to do everything humanly possible to kill us. I heard a preacher say it this way. It says, the more I pursue my desire, the more the devil pursues me. He just cheers you right on. Go on. You can do it. Have another drink. So the Bible says this, let me go on. I got, (laughs) it says that uh, uh, what God is after for us is that we live in the future. Our future lives in the new heavens and earth should be the pattern for the way we live together now. What, What is that? That means redeemed and reconciled to God and to each other, all living together in a perfect world of love, joy, and peace forever. Is that how you feel today? No. This would be a good time to stop and have an altar call. But since I already said it, you need to go ahead and pray. The believer who realizes the existence of one body who walks in the spirit and looks for the Lord's return is going to be the peacemaker and not the troublemaker. So what are we saying? If you've got a troublemaker and you miss... They have not discovered the exclusivity of their call. What did God call me to do? Certainly not disrupt what you do. The Bible says there's one Lord. I might make it through here today. One Lord, Jesus Christ, who is the governor of the church. Now the Bible says that the nearest we can understand what that means is to look at uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 11. The Bible says, and that every tongue should confess that what Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is Lord over everything. Now, notice that when we're talking about one body and we're talking about uh, uh, one spirit and one hope, this is still all the result of what Christ did on the cross. Amen? So, When we hear this verse, uh, uh, Jesus is Lord, it reminds us that we all have the same Savior. If you weren't saved by Jesus, you're in the wrong church. Amen? Amen. Amen. One faith, one faith. That is one system of belief uh, with the same object of faith. Christ is the object of our faith. We have one system to get to Christ. Christ. The Bible says that no man comes to the Father except through Christ. Amen? So the Bible says then uh, that we could look at at, at Scripture because the Bible talks about faith and then it talks about the faith. And the the uh, the, the changes the meaning. When it's the faith, it is that body of teaching that contains all the truth about Christ's work. That's the faith. That's the doctrine. But the Bible says faith means the complete commitment of the Christian to Christ. So when I say I'm, I'm walking in faith, that means I'm totally committed to who Christ is. When I say the faith, then that means I understand what the doctrine of Christ is. Amen? So the Bible says that when it comes to being uh, one Lord, uh, it's one belief in Je- it's one's belief in Jesus as Lord. Now, uh, we always say, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, and but we don't really know what that means. As a matter of fact, and we, we know that that's not true because most uh, that we don't know it is because most people never surrender totally to Christ. And see, this is the one problem I have in church period is that people withhold. We will never commit 100%. And the the very essence of faith, the synonym for faith is trust. Amen. So we just, we don't trust God with everything we have. We trust him with a portion. Even in our giving, we trust him with a portion. We're not going to give him everything because he may not give us anything back even though he says. Huh? But see, surrender means I give him all. So the Bible says that all Christians are bound together because they have a common act of complete surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. That surrender is one thing common to all of them. There is a settled body of truth deposited by Christ in his church. In other words, I believe in the faith that was delivered. Jude says it this way. Jude says, beloved, in and, and, and verse 3 it says, while I was diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to earnestly contend for the faith, which was once and for all delivered by the saints. So the faith is delivered how? By faithful men. Amen. If you look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, the Bible says, uh, And the things that you have heard from me, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. If you're not forwarding the gospel, then you have missed Christ. It's not enough for you to have it for you. You got to have it for me too. Amen? The Bible says one baptism. One baptism. Well, I can see the finish line here. Y'all be good now. That one baptism is the act of the Spirit where he places the the believing sinner in the body of Christ at conversion. Now, I read to you uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 earlier, but uh, 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 here's what it says, for one spirit we're all baptized into one body. What that means is that the, the baptism he's talking about are two types. Even though there's one baptism, there is a baptism where we, when we enter the body of Christ, we make a public confession. Do you all understand what I'm saying? when you enter the body of Christ, when you stand before the church and you say, uh, uh, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins, y'all know what I'm talking about? That's a public confession. That public confession symbolizes you being baptized into the body. The only way that we can uh, assure that everybody understands that you made that commitment is we baptize you with water as a symbol that you made a commitment. Are y'all still with me? But then the Spirit itself baptizes us, and the Bible says that, that way, the way that happened happens rather, is that the, Spirit came, the the Holy Spirit comes in and he'll, <clears throat> he then allows us to operate in this body that we have been baptized in. In other words, the Holy Spirit then... Uh, gives us the opportunity to exercise our gifts because of the baptism of the Spirit. And y'all, are real quiet with that. When the, body says, when the Bible talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we normally think of one gift, even though it is the release of all gifts. For whatever reason, the church has said the baptism of the spirit means I can speak in tongues, And I don't know why we narrowed it that way. And I really don't have time this morning to, to get into that. But what I'm telling you, the baptism of the spirit releases gifts in his body that you were baptized into. All right. So there's two baptisms, the baptism of the Spirit and water baptism. One is a symbol that we show everybody that you belong to us, and the other is the Spirit of God shows everybody that you belong to us and to him. All right? Then the Bible goes on to say one God, one God. That is the fountain of all being. It is self-existent and eternal and the father of all, both Jews and Gentiles, because he is the father of all spirits. You know, in Hebrews chapter uh, chapter 12 and verse 9. Let me see if they can get it for me. Hebrews 12 and 9. Hebrews twelve and nine. For, yeah, whoop, 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 there it was. <laughs> Furthermore, yeah. Oh, it's behind me. <laughs> Furthermore, we have human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Go to verse 23 of Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 23. To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, that's you, who are registered in heaven to God, the judge of all spirits of just men made perfect. So God is the father of all, not just some. Are y'all still with me? The Bible says that he is the father of all spirits made flesh. He is the father of all who are enshrined in the love of God. The Bible says this, that the greatest thing about the Christian God is not that he is king, but he is that. Not that he is judge and he is that, but that he is a father. And see the one thing about a father is that a father always encourages his children to work together in love. Amen. So the Christian idea of God begins in love. The Bible says that God is love. Amen. So the Bible says he is above all. That means he's overall as king and king, uh, king and king, uh, king of kings and lord of lords. And the Bible says that, that he is all through, uh, and through all. That means that he pervades everything. He is present with everything, providing for all creatures. And by his energy, he supports all things. The Bible says that he upholds everything with his word. The Bible goes on to say that uh, he is uh, uh, in you all by the energy of his spirit, enlightening, quickening, purifying, and comforting In a word, making your hearts the temples of the Holy Ghost. That's how you become the temple of God. Amen? Amen. So the Bible said this oneness of believers in the family of God is evidenced. Uh, Excuse me. The same family, loving and serving the same father, we ought to be able to walk together in unity. Wow, we got the same daddy, y'all. Y'all understand that? So when somebody say, who's your daddy, you know what to say. (laughs) One more point, and I still got a minute or two. I want you to look at James chapter 3, verse 17. James chapter 3, verse 17. Bible says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, and good fruits, without par- uh, partiality and without hypocrisy. The local church cannot believe in peace at any cost. We can't have that. I- I'm 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 going to be at peace with you no matter what. No, the Bible says, as much as lies within. All right, and it says. Uh, purity of doctrine by itself does not produce unity because that 's what James says. Listen, and I want you, and this is why I'm making this point. James says, read it one more time, it says, the wisdom that is from above is first what it's what so if it 's not pure, then it can't be peaceable. Do you understand this? If you don't have purity of thought, if your intentions are not pure, if your mouth, your words are not pure, then you can't live peaceably in the body of Christ. So when you see those outliers, those people who are, I like that term outliers. It means outside of the mainstream, but I like outliers because that's what they outline. But, uh, <laughs> but when we see those people, then the Bible says that, that they are not pure in their motives. Anybody who is pure in their motives will not, will not break peace. Do you understand this? So when we find people who are contentious, when people who are troublemakers, when people are uh, anxious, people who start stuff, their motives are not pure. They don't want the best for you. They want mess for you. So the Bible says you can't live at peace with people who have impure thoughts and ideas. A lot of people, their their main goal is to get what you got. They don't care about anything else. Oh, yeah, they'll come to church every Sunday, but they're not trying to get holy. They're trying to get your stuff. They want what you got, and they're going to figure out a way to get it. Their motives are not pure. When folks want your money, when they want your time, they want your affection, their motives are not pure because if their motives were pure, then they would be one with the Christ. And if they were one with, with Christ, they wouldn't be trying to get your stuff. They'd be trying to give you stuff. Amen. Do y'all understand this? See, too often, what, what the bottom line is, is that we don't know what the golden rule says. Huh? What was it, Luke chapter 6, 31? I, mean, I may be wrong on that because you got me off the cuff here. But y'all can turn while I'm looking so in case I'm wrong. There it is. Just so happens I was right. <laughs> it says, and just as you want men to do to you. Now, wait a minute. Look at the last part. Likewise doesn't mean because they did it. No, you know what likewise means? I'm going to do what I want you to do for me. I'm going to do this because this is what I want. We can't get that. I want to do this because this is what I want, what I need. That's why scripture says, give. Amen. The golden rule is doing to others as you, we say, as you would have them doing to you. No, don't do unto others as you would have them because sometimes you don't do stuff. <laughs> no, but if I need love, I need to show love. Come on, if I want friends, I have to show myself friendly. But by the same token, whatever I sow, that's what I'm going to reap. Are you understanding this? So when we apply this to the body, the church, when we talk about preserving the unity, then we need to understand that it's how we treat one another that keeps us unified as a body. My thoughts are going to be pure because my motives are pure. So whatever I do for you, it's because I'm doing it from a pure heart. And when I do it from a pure heart, then what I will reap is also pure. One last part. Actually, two more. But the one prelude to the last part is that we have to learn that when we say we love the brethren, we, we love each other, that we say that, that, that we, we, we will, will treat you with love. And, and a lot of times what we do is we forget that love is not a duty. Somebody said, well, pastor, the Bible commands us. And I didn't say, but in the commandment, I said, it's not a duty. If you love me because you are duty-bound to love me, that ain't love. Hmm? I don't want you to love me because we have this love relationship. I want you to love me out of the purity of your motives because you love God and you want to please me the way that you would please God. That's the love I'm talking about. Amen. Don't do anything for me you wouldn't do for God. Huh? And that brings us to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. When the Bible says that, uh, 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 well, let's, let's read it first and then we'll talk about it. It says this, but speaking the truth in love, you may grow up into all things into him who is the head, Christ. If you are not able to speak the truth in love, then you will never be able to walk in unity in the body. Speak the truth in love, not out of your feelings. And people will do it very easily. They say, well, I'm just going to tell you the truth. Well, don't even talk to me like that. Because I'm rejecting your truth. Because there ain't no love in it. Huh? Huh? I was watching this movie last night and this woman went to her mama who had the Bible there and she was talking to her mama and said, mama, this happened and this happened and that happened and mama, I just don't know what to do. She said, it should (laughs) have happened. I don't know what that was all about because it had nothing else to do with the movie, but the the, (laughs) The point is, well, she told us she needed to fast and pray. She did tell us that. But she said, it should have happened to you. Well, see, that's tough love. I don't need that. I know y'all say, well, we all need tough love. Yeah, I need some tough love when I have recovered. But when I'm out there in the deep water, I do not want you to dump dump a foot tub of water on me while I'm drowning. Y'all don't know what a foot tub is. <laughs> you understand that? I need some compassion at that point. Truth and love. <laughs> if there is one thing that the church has to work on, if we're going to be successful, it is going to be learning how to truth and love. And the one thing that we're very slow at is learning how to truth and love. We know the truth, but the truth won't make us free. When you're getting on my case and all you're doing is making me mad. well, if I'm mad, I'm not being delivered. Now I'm into anger and I've, look, I have lost that loving feeling. Amen. And we don't love... In a way that, that makes us, that makes people feel invited. You gotta smile more, warm and welcoming. Amen. Who wouldn't? I mean, who would? I know we live in COVID 19, but who does not love to have people smile at them, say nice things? Huh? Who doesn't love that? I would say a good hug, but you can't do that anymore. But do you understand what I'm saying? That's how I know you love me, because you made me feel comfortable with your love. And once you do that, I'll receive it. Are y'all with me? Amen. All right, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet.